Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. Uh, Spencer's had a bit of a sneezing fit right before we started. My voice has changed dramatically since <laughs> yes. I walked in the door. <laughs> it's it's quite different than it was uh, five minutes ago. And, and I mean, the, the man sitting across from me is not the same man who was sitting across from me last week. For those of you who don't know, Spencer has gone from a full, full, uh, just beautiful growth of beard down to just the stash, and he's rocking it with a trucker hat, the Rob Bro Show trucker hat, actually. Got to complete the look. Yeah, it looks good. Looks like you could run blocker for 400 cases of illegal brew with... Uh, you know, maybe riding shotgun to the snowman. I, th- I could see it. I could see it working out pretty well for you. But anyway, how's it going? It's going. It's this darn cotton out here. I was fine all weekend without any allergy medicine. <clears throat> I'm telling you, you were fine 10 minutes ago. It's, it's bizarre. Well, I, I was sneezing today, too, when I got back. But there was like this tickle in my n- n- nose, my nostril. Mm-hmm. It's the problem with allergies, though. It's like you can never get it. Doesn't go away. Satisfy that itch? No. So you just sneeze a hundred times. Like, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just, it still itches. I'm just gonna do that. Anyways, we are here to talk all things Texas Tech sports. We have plenty to touch on this week. Obviously, football, basketball. We will talk very briefly about women's soccer a little bit about baseball um some big basketball news breaking today and then obviously get to our football final wrap on the west virginia game and the preview for tcu coming in this weekend so michael did you see this that the women soccer team the women's soccer team Drew as a host site to bring in Pepperdine in the first round of the NCAA tournament this weekend. Which Pepperdine is one of the the premier programs in the country, is that right? Yep. Tech was is a fourth a four seed. Okay. Um so their host. This is Tech's seventh appearance in the NCAA tournament in the past eight seasons. Wow. It's quite the run there. Yeah, it is. 
And they've played Pepperdine the previous two years, and they've split those two matches. Have they even played them in a non-conference schedule? No, I, I, I believe there was in the, their normal, their regular season schedule. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah they yeah. not just in a, you know the national NCAA tournament or anything. Yep. So those that want to take in some postseason soccer, head to the John Walker Soccer Complex Friday evening at 6.30 to watch your Lady Raiders host the Pepperdine Wave. Sounds like a pretty good way to spend a Friday night. I don't think it's going to be that cold uh we're, we're coming at you here and it's oh i don't know it's 34 right now maybe but friday night there's there's a chance there's a chance that it could be a little bit more of a enjoyable evening high of 64 on friday low of 34 sunny all day it's not too bad it's take you take you a good little bit of a jacket once that sun <laughs> goes down at you know 549 so those that aren't already you need to follow us on the twitter if you were following the twitter account you did see some some big basketball news i was able to share as it was coming out to do that follow the show at 23 personnel you can follow me at punts suck and michael at michael underscore lbk majority of my personal account tweets are directed at mr rob bro himself <laughs> Back and forth, whether or not I, I agree with whatever he says, it's a hard split, 50-50 usually. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and for those that may be new, thank you for joining and listening to the show. We appreciate all the uh, interaction on Twitter, the downloads, the subscri- subscribing, the subscription on the your podcatchers. But if you didn't know this, We are part of the Armchair Media Network. Support for Armchair comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision. I can't say that word, Michael. Yeah, it's kind of a tough one. Lots of tough words in this. (laughs) Precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Uh, Manscaped has actually redesigned the electric trimmer. I don't know what it, I I don't want to know what it was before. I yeah, this is this is much better. It's better than shears. It is their lawnmower 2.0 and it has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer will not nick or snag. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And just so you don't know, if you don't know this, it is not kosher to use the same trimmer on your face as you use elsewhere. It's not sanitary. No, that's not preferred. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You're already putting deodorant on your armpits. You should be putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body. Sure. So if you want to get 20% off plus free shipping, use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. 20% 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code armchair. You ready to talk about some football? Yeah, let's 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 get into it. Football, footy footy football. Maybe. Maybe we'll talk about football. <laughs> we gotta get that producer. 
He needs a pay raise, is what he needs. <laughs> he is back to pass, pressured immediately, kind of flings it up there, he's stopped up and yeah, intercepted. Welker takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25, 10, touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman, screen. Underneath Derek Ward, breaks the tackle, still up the sideline, turns on the juice. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Touchdown! So Harold in the shotgun from the 28th. The throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He breaks. Oh, he's the worst. Red Raiders. Unbelievable. Touchdown. Red Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. What do we learn? Dang it. You know, one of these days I'll get this thing right. Okay, so the problem with the slow start into the intro is more often than not, I have to mute the, the audio coming from the computer because of other notifications that'll pop up during the show. Oh, yeah. Or so, if you're on ESPN, they're always playing some commercial or... Yeah, it's always like an Highlight video. to some Akron game that you don't care about. So I'll go and I'll hit, I'll hit play on the audio clip and realize my computer's still muted. Or, like that time, it just it played into the next clip, which is... <laughs> yeah. Which is the last thing you want to play. Yeah. Anyway... Um, those that are f- familiar with that radio call of Michael Crabtree's catch will know that Sonny Cumbie was actually in the booth for that call. Yeah, I think he's the one saying unbelievable. He is. He's making a return trip this weekend with TCU as their offensive coordinator. We will get to that in just a minute. Wanted to say, share this with everybody. I don't know who all saw this, but I, I saw it late, late this afternoon that there is a new student tailgating area opening up for this weekend's game. And I think it's in addition to Raider Alley. I don't know if they were running out of space or what prompted this. Cause then the article I read, it didn't give a reasoning for it, but new student tailgating area will be in the grass where the Coliseum used to stand. So our, it gets our, you a lot closer to the stadium. Yeah, and I remember seeing them mention something like that before over the summer, but then it never seemed to, you know, actually take place. I never there. I think there was too much construction going on for those first few games. So at least these last few, you'll you'll get to use that area for some tailgating. Last few, there's only two left. Yeah, few these last couple makes sense because it's a it's a great area. Brings you close to the stadium. Brings you with the, the rest of the 
tailgating crew. Um, there's been some live music played out there to an empty field whenever I walked past it. So right. it makes sense to put some, some bodies there. Um, Michael, since you weren't on the post-game Instant Reaction podcast, once again, thanks, Keith, for joining us kind of last minute. Michael yes. was excused. He was <sighs> ailing. The, uh, I, I won't go into detail, but the there's three humans in this in this house, and I was the third one to get the stomach bug. And I did get the least... The, the smallest version of it, but... Um, least potent. Yeah, the least potent version, potent version, but it still affected me pretty greatly. So thanks a lot to Keith for stepping in. Uh, I enjoyed hearing you guys' instant reaction. I listened to it yesterday. And one thing I wanted to bring up that I noticed during the game, too, that I've kind of been critical of Wells on is his decisions to go for it or not on fourth down. It kind of boggled my mind how many times he went for it in this game. Um, and it was usually when he was up. So, you know, that he was on the road in Lawrence and wouldn't go for it when he was down or tied or, or whatever. And it, and it would be late in the game too. Whereas, um, you know, he went for it on fourth down three times in the first half. Um, First time he on the third drive, he went for it on fourth and one on the West Virginia four, scored a touchdown. He was already up 14 to three at that point, so that put him up 21 to three, which is fine. I mean, that makes sense. I, I get that one. I also get going for it. Uh, you know, even though you're up 28 to 10, converted a fourth and goal on the two yard line, touchdown. So now you're up 35 and 10. That was on the fifth drive. Then on the sixth drive, during that drive, he went for it on fourth and one on West Virginia's 42. That one's kind of shocking me the most. You're up 35 to 10. You're obviously able to move the ball. And you you go ahead in midfield to just go ahead and, and, and uh, go for it there. As opposed well, to when you're down on the road in Lawrence or tied on the road in Lawrence or whatever – or just barely ahead on the road in Lawrence when there's four minutes left. I I think the the analytics support going for it there. I I don't know what they would have said. I don't, I, I say that like I have the book or whatever in front of me. It's fourth and two, so it's a short fourth fourth down fourth attempt. and one. Sorry, yeah, fourth and one on a on the forty two. So you're forty two yards away from the end zone, like you're. Really, you're, you're too close to punt, especially with Austin McNahammer, right? Who averages 47 yards a punt, but you, they you, punted later on this same drive. That's what gets me. They they converted a fourth down during the drive, and then they went three and out basically after that. They yeah, punted later in the drive from West Virginia's 36 yard line on a fourth and six. On a fourth and six, it was a 30 yard punt. So I See, mean I I don't know why he wouldn't have gone for it there. I I or at least go for try a field goal. I mean that's a long field goal but just the fourth down stuff still gets me. Right, uh, sorry. And and then the the last time he went for it it was on the ninth drive of the game. I think this was in the third quarter. Uh Tech was up 35 to 10 and he went for it on fourth and one on West Virginia's 5-yard line. I think See, kicking a field goal there would make sense when you're up 35 to 10. And and 
of all of all these uh, fourth down conversions, there were you know he went three for four on the day. The three that converted were runs. The one that did not was a pass. Anyway, I I just thought that was interesting. Just I'm trying to get into his mindset, why he's choosing to do it in certain places and why he's not, and why it makes sense to do it when you're up 35 to 10 in the third quarter. But it doesn't yeah, make sense to do it elsewhere. Anyway, that's all. Yeah, so <laughs> the longest fourth down he attempted was a was a fourth and two, or it was a fourth and goal from the two, which he ran in. Right. There and was, he was already up 21 to 10 at that point. Three of the four fourth down attempts were fourth and one. Or yeah. shorter. I don't know if there were any like fourth and inches. But. And that could be really all it is. He, that may be down in distance. He may just look at his book and say, all right, it's fourth and one. We're going to go for it. We're just going to put... Thompson out there. Hey, just run straight, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if we're up by 25 or what, we're going to go for it. And that's fine. I support that. I support him. No, no. Yeah. It's great. doing it. I, I just am having trouble finding out the, the rhyme and reason. And the only other thing I really wanted to point out was how well I thought Duffy played, because this is going to go into our next point that we talk about. Uh, and I know you guys covered it too, but Duffy was 24 for 34, 354 yards, and a touchdown. He really had a great day. Uh, that that hit to Rigdon for that 81-yarder was just a thing of beauty. It was one of those, so, I kind of held my breath in the in the thinking, oh no, he's not going to miss this, is he? This is going to work out right. And it just couldn't have been more perfect. They, they timed it just perfectly, both of them. I think... After that one overthrow to RJ Turner on the first drive, um, and then where it, where the streak of nine straight completions started was right after that. It seems like he settled down after that incompletion because he was really upset with himself after that throw. You could see on the broadcast. Everything after that was like money. Now yeah. the the throw to Rigdon. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna nitpick, it was a little too far. Like Rigdon stumbled a little bit, yeah. But he he was had enough space that him slowing down the stumble did not cause him to get caught, and he was able to to, to keep his feet. Well, and Duffy did this with with Vasher not on the roster this week. I don't believe he did. He travel? He did not. Okay, I don't think it was. I think at first we heard it was some sort of team rule violation, but I don't think it was. I thought it ended up being something like a personal thing. So on the broadcast, they said it was a violation of team rules. Now other, I'd heard other where that it was a personal matter. Yeah. Like a funeral or something yeah. he wanted, he needed to attend. I, I'm the, not sure what the, actually those two things don't, don't jive. Correct. So. Uh, there's something wrong on one of them for sure. But you know, Duffy did perform this well without one of tech's best receivers. But I mean, RJ Turner's, He's a, he's becoming one of Tech's most clutch receivers yeah. as and, well. And I would say, don't look at Duffy's one touchdown pass and say, well, he he didn't he didn't throw enough touchdowns. Like you ran four touchdowns in. Oh yeah, and like if, if you're running the ball in, like keep doing that. One of them was from the four yard line. One was from the two yard line. I mean, that's that's what you're supposed to do once you get there. If you if you can, just pound it in. And this is also something I mentioned with Keith. You averaged fewer than three yards per carry during the game. I never felt like you should stop running the ball. No, I didn't either. I, another thing to point out real quick, and 
I should probably get off the West Virginia game, but I seeing how little Tech scored in the second half was a little bit worrisome. But I I think it was more to do with the fact that uh, Tech probably did keep running the ball and it wasn't quite as successful, but maybe the foot was let off the gas a little bit. I don't know. But three points in the second half, that's Baylor-esque. Yeah, and and it was a combination, I think, of of letting your your foot off the gas. There were a, a few... adjustments made i would say on the west virginia defensive side um you added to your your turnover margin though you were plus three on the day or minus oh three. yeah I, I, yeah I that you, you turned over west virginia three times and you didn't turn the ball over that's you right you are plus nine on the season gosh you are ninth place and coleman had his eighth interception right mm-hmm and Fields was was it Fields who intercepted? He had that Kindle in the end zone that uh, in triple coverage. One of flea flicker interceptions, <laughs> like him or two other guys. Oh yeah, that was the flea flicker one. It wasn't Kindle. Oh yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, he was one of three guys who could have intercepted that for sure. Okay, um, we mentioned this a little while ago. Player updates. Coach Wells came out yesterday, and then it was also backed up by. David Yost, offensive coordinator. Both Alan Bowman and Maverick McIver have been medically cleared. Wells indicated their plan is to redshirt both of them. Bowman can still participate in one more game this season and fall under the four-game threshold. Maverick can play in the last three games and a bowl game to get to his four. Um, It sounded like Wells was... Like he would want to get Mavericks some snaps and some time, um, but with how long it's been since he's participated in full-on, full-contact, competitive play, he may be the furthest away from getting any time. And he also said, as much as we, we'd want to play those two guys, Duffy's still doing well. You'd have to find a time to pull him out of the game. And the last three games of the season, you don't anticipate getting like garbage time. Sure, and that's this is kind of what we we got a lot of questions from you guys about this, kind of what our thoughts were, and I think most of y'all agreed that Bowman should redshirt for the rest of the year if he's given the chance to, um, and we were fine with sticking with Duffy for the rest of the year. It, it's not like he's cost Tech any games mm-hmm. by any means. The OU game was kind of going to be out of hand no matter what, and the only game that he didn't play great in was Iowa State, really, outside of that. He's really played well in in Tech's other games, but it's going to be a very interesting offseason battle because if you've got all three of these guys healthy, and Duffy has you know, a, a lot of points in his favor after this season so far, I mean, there's still games left to be played but he's i believe he's performed he's performed a lot better than he did last year he's been a lot more consistent and uh i've i've been more impressed with his throws i but anyway i i do think that that will lead to an interesting offseason quarterback battle that could potentially end up being one of those 
Cliff Kingsbury scenarios where Wells may not announce a starter until the week of or when the guys run out of the tunnel. So when you mentioned Duffy's worst game, I, I was going to think back like I don't, I'm not sure what that looks like because when you look at his stats, like it depends on what you would consider his worst game. the The game with his fewest passing yards would be Oklahoma. Um, if it's the lowest completion percentage, it's also Oklahoma. Um, but right, right ahead of Oklahoma is Oklahoma State in terms of percentage. He only completed fifty five percent in Oklahoma, fifty nine percent versus Oklahoma State. That's right. He was really well, but he threw for four touchdowns against Oklahoma State. So I kind of like well, and some of that completion percentage was on the receivers that day. Yeah, it wasn't completely him. I, I, yeah, I'm not trying to. No, he didn't. I'm, well, I'm not sure what well, you know. What I mean, like yeah, he took no, care what, of the ball. What, he, what I'm saying is, like when you look at his his game splits, like even in the losses, you're like you look at him like that wasn't that bad against Baylor, 31 of 42, so it's 74 percent completion, 362 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Now that two interceptions kind of rough, but you were all you were positive on the turnover margin in that game because I think Brewer had three that day. And he had three, and then there was at least there one was a fumble. fumble. So you, you were, I think, you were at least plus two. Right. Iowa State forty of fifty-two, seventy-seven percent completion, two hundred thirty-nine yards, and one touchdown. Kansas twenty-three of thirty-four, so sixty-eight percent completion, two hundred and seventy-one yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's thrown two interceptions on the year, and it was against Baylor. Yeah, I, that even kind of. Blows up my case anyway. I, I don't know if he's technically he, he had hasn't a, had a bad game, bad game, except for Oklahoma. But right, it was in like a <laughs> no win situation. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that he was put in there, he was thrust in there as QB two. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I I'm after a seventeen point like deficit, mm-hmm. and it it really felt like Wells was just saying we're going to burn a lot of clock to try to salvage not getting absolutely hammered in this game so yeah sorry when, when i look at the 2019 version of, of jet duffy it's like there's nothing really there that like jumps out and says oh, he really needs to work on this like, oh or, like, i can't wait till this one game was bad and i can't wait to see what bowman can do is like he had some bad completion percentage games one was oklahoma one was oklahoma state so it's like both spectrums of like it was a really good game and a really bad game um he's had only one game where he's turned the ball over and it was baylor and again a point to you were plus in the turnover margin that game i think there was that crazy fumble against oklahoma state was that him or was that well there was a there was a fumble where he was running and got tackled and the ball went five yards forward at least it was all. It almost looked like a pass. Maybe but, the the site I'm looking at does not track fumbles. But that's anyway. That's neither here nor there. He was he's played very well. He's played in in the games that Tech lost. He's played good enough for Tech to win. The, they did not lose the game because of him. I'm not someone just sitting there waiting on the sidelines, just anticipating Bowman's return because Duffy's. I think he's earned the spot. He's earning the spot sure. right now based off of what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
on the season, he is completing just under 69% of his passes, almost 1,800 yards, 10 touchdowns, two turnovers. He's averaging a QBR of 147. Yeah, that'll get it done. He's rushed the ball 47 times for 127 yards. I would argue he's not running very much because there's nobody behind him. Um, But he does have one rushing touchdown. So he has 11 touchdowns in the season, three turnovers if that fumble that you're remembering was on him. And he does have one reception for 14 yards, which he threw to himself. Passed to himself. And then picked up 14 yards. Not everyone can say that. Um, Other player updates, Travis Kuntz, if you remember, picked up a targeting foul. Boo. It was so cheap. So weak. No, not cheap. Not cheap. Not, not cheap on Travis, yeah. Um, you could kind of see it coming where uh, he was trying to throw a block for a, a runner that was coming upfield, and he was already – he was further downfield, so he was coming back towards the ball. Um, it's one of those things where, like, it's kind of in the gray area of, like, the new blindside blocking and targeting – in slow motion, it looked like he got his shoulder across and hit him with his shoulder um, real time because of like he had to duck down so far because he's so much taller than the guy he hit. Like it looked like he was leading with the crown of his head and looked more intentional than it probably was. Their helmets did make contact, and because of how because of the difference in momentum, the defender did kind of snap back. Anyways, you could tell that he let up before he hit him. And then when he did make contact, he like maintained contact as if he was blocking, which I thought was going to help his case. Yeah. But he still got called for targeting. And that was in the second half. So he will miss the first half of this game against TCU. We will see, I guess, even more Dante Thompson or Tyler Carr. We didn't see Carr getting there towards the end of the game, number 41. Um, and then Desmond Smith, Evan Rambo, Sir Roderick Thompson, all listed day-to-day. From what I could tell from what, how Wells was saying this, um, Thompson may be the furthest away from being ready to play, but Yost thinks even Thompson will be ready to go to participate on Saturday. Well, all right. The running back spot's pretty depleted, so we, <laughs> yeah. we would take that if, if – he's able to do it and willing to do it. Uh, Which you saw on this, this weekend when Thompson went down, it was Tajon Henry and Jack's Welch. Welch and Welch got in the game a few snaps, but it was yeah. really just like Henry. It's all you men. Yeah. Don't get hurt. Good luck. Tajon. <laughs> all right. Around the big 12 in week 11 at the same, at the same time, Texas Tech was finishing off West Virginia. Baylor and TCU were going into overtime in a nail-biting 9-9 tie. (laughs) 9-9. 9-9. The game ends up going to three overtimes, triple overtime. Baylor squeaks away 29-23 on an intercepted pass on fourth down with TCU throwing into the end zone. And there was was some crazy plays in overtime. And I, I, I don't... I don't know how or why they did this, but like they did not switch ends of the field. All three overtime periods were played in the same direction. Which I, I don't know if I, I've ever seen that. I thought you had to alternate. I thought but, you did too. 
they all went the same direction. So for TCU, it was heading towards that admin building on the. That or do you flip a coin each time? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so Baylor, the worst nine and team out there, still hasn't cracked the top ten because I, I don't think anybody else is believing them. They they will host Oklahoma this weekend and then have Texas and then finish up with Kansas. Kansas. Oh gosh. In Lawrence. Kansas State went on the road in Austin. Very nearly took down the Longhorns. They fall twenty four to twenty seven. Texas came came back from oh sorry. Texas scored twenty four unanswered points. Let's put it that way. And then um if you read the week eleven headlines post from Brian, they're getting their money's worth from Dicker the Kicker. They will play that forever. Um he ends up kicking the game-winning field goal. Iowa State goes on the road to Norman and narrowly falls to the Sooners 41-42. They had a two-point conversion attempt get intercepted on what was very clearly a defensive pass interference that was uncalled. Was it? I don't know if it was intercepted or just incomplete. It was intercepted. Okay. Well, and they were down. You know, the final score, Iowa State lost by one. 42 to 41, like you said. Oklahoma was up 42 21 at one point. Yep. And Iowa State bounced back. It's not the first time that Iowa State's come back from three touchdowns down. No, that's not the first. And then lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, so So now with, with that in mind, you know, with those games under the belt, uh, in the Big 12, you've got Baylor sitting on top somehow, 6 and 0, first place. Uh, Oklahoma, followed by Texas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State, and Iowa State are all three tied basically for fourth place. TCU and Texas Tech are tied for sixth place. Hey, oh, we went from ninth to sixth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, yeah, or seventh place, whatever it is. I can't do the math. No, we're, we're, we're yeah. tied for seventh. Yeah, we're tied for seventh. And then Kansas and West Virginia – thanks to the Battle of the Basement last week, are tied for ninth. Although Kansas – no, West Virginia holds the – You're right. West Virginia should actually be ninth. I don't know why they're listed above because they okay. hold the tiebreaker. Is I'm it, unsure. Anywho, uh, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's what they're showing on Big, 12, Big 12's website. So the – the week 12 schedule, I don't know if you had that one pulled up or not, but um, we could run through it real quick. I know that obviously Tech will host TCU, and then at the same time, at that level 11 o'clock slot, you've got Kansas at Oklahoma State on FS1, followed by Texas at Iowa State on 230, at 2.30 on FS1, West Virginia at Kansas State, 2.30 on ESPN, and then your nightcap is OU at Baylor, which is hosting game day this week, 6.30 p.m. on ABC, which I predict OU by three scores. Ooh. And not just three, not, not, a, not a three Baylor scores, not nine. I'm thinking OU by 21. It's, it's just going to, they're just going to overwhelm them. They're going to expose them. I, I, just, I just have a feeling. Is there a line for this game? Have we seen it yet? 
I'm sure there is one. I have not looked it up. Oklahoma minus 10. So you're saying to double that up. Shoo, yeah. 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 Oklahoma wow. 42, Baylor 21. Yeah, so to me, there are two in- interesting games, obviously because I'm a Texas Tech fan, that TCU game. Um, you get that that rivalry. Texas-Iowa State kind of borders on interesting to me. but It's always interesting. Those um, two playing, is it's interesting every time, and it's in Ames. But then and, the last one, obviously, Oklahoma at Baylor. I'm going to see Oklahoma just mud stomp. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that's what happens. Stomp, mud stomp? Mud hole? You may be coming up with I a new one over there. I, <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're working one. You're, work, you're putting one together. <laughs> All right. This week, obviously, Texas Tech hosting TCU. 11 a.m. on ESPN2. It's two weeks in a row you get on ESPN2. Um, so something I learned today is that Matt Wells was coached by Gary Patterson while he was in college. Was Patterson a position coach? I believe so. Quarterback coach or something like that? Because I know Wells played quarterback, obviously. But yeah. I... I I think that bit of trivia had come up somewhere before, but I didn't remember where it left. What, what, I, what I found interesting was that Matt Wells said he hasn't talked to him in 10 months, meaning basically since he was hired. Yeah. He cut, stopped talking to him. Cut communications there. That kind of makes sense. Uh, but while you're pulling that up, I'll rattle through their their uh, games so far. Uh so their their game one was uh, a win versus Arkansas Pine Bluff, thirty nine to seven. Game two, a win at Purdue, thirty four thirteen. Game three, the loss at SMU, forty one thirty eight. Pony up. Game four, they did beat Kansas, so they've got that going for them, fifty one to fourteen in Lawrence. Nope, actually that was at TCU. Uh, then they lost two in a row at Iowa State, forty nine twenty four. And then at Kansas State, twenty four seventeen, came back to somehow win against Texas, thirty seven twenty seven, and that was kind of Texas's fall from the top twenty five, but just barely. I think they were twenty sixth after that. Oh, but they're back in. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're back in because yeah, they're Texas. And then uh, after that game, loss at Stillwater against Oklahoma State, thirty four twenty seven, and then the game we just spoke about, the loss. Versus Baylor, 29-23 in triple overtime. Which, um, I just kind of want to go through a little bit of that game. But before that, before I do that, what was the connection with Patterson and Wells? So, Patterson coached defensive backs at Utah State at the same time. So, I guess he was just kind of on the same staff where Wells was. Patterson played linebacker in safety in college. He played at Dodge City and then Kansas State. Um, and then he's coached 100% on the defensive side, Kansas State, Tennessee Tech, UC Davis, Cal Lutheran, Pittsburgh State, Sonoma State, Oregon Lightning Bolts. That's interesting to me. Yeah, that's solid. Utah State, Navy, New Mexico, TCU. So would you be surprised to learn that the Dodge City Conquistadors have purple in their mascot, as does Kansas State, as does TCU? Maybe. Got a lot of purple connections. He likes the purple. Yeah. And towels. The that poor, poor towel girl. <laughs> the uh the the game against Baylor. Obviously I didn't watch all of it because Tech was playing during the same time. But I was keeping up with it 
TCU scored nine unanswered points. Ooh. Insurmountable in the first half. So they went into halftime up nine to nothing, which for those of you playing at home can tell that Baylor came out in the second half and scored nine unanswered unanswered of their own. So TCU is a team that's not necessarily going to overwhelm you offensively. They they have had some good days um, against teams named Kansas, and that's really it. That's the only time they've gotten above 30 points. I mean, uh, out of the 30s and into the 40s or so was against Kansas. The Probably one of their best offensive days was against SMU, and that was after they were in a hole. Um, I, I see the marriage between Patterson and Cumby coming to an end soon. I don't know where Cumbie's going to end up, but I don't know how they're going to make it another year after this one, just judging by press conference appearances and or lack of appearances, along with interactions on the sideline. It, it just doesn't seem like a great fit there. And, you know, honestly, Cumbie's offense has not been stellar in years since I forgot since was it Meacham? Doug Meacham. Since Meacham left, really. So uh you know, speaking of, in that game against Baylor, quarterback Max Dugan Duggan. Dugan Duggan was fourteen for thirty two for hundred and forty yards with one touchdown and three interceptions. Stellar. Yeah, that's forty three point eight percent attempts. Uh, now their their linebackers play well. They have two guys, Ben Wilson and Garrett Wallow. They had 13 tackles each on the day. Uh, their third down offense was right at 50%. Somehow they were converting third downs. They were 10 for 20. Their third down defense, surprisingly though, uh, was only six for 17. No, not only. That's good. <laughs> I don't know why I said that that way. Their third down defense was six for 17. Baylor was not able to get a third down in that game. And that's not something that you should be that surprised of hearing. TCU's always, especially with Patterson at the helm, has had a defense that's been very capable. When you've got guys like Wilson and Wallow leading the charge, they can get stuff done. Uh, And when your linebackers are leading the number of tackles as opposed to your defensive backs, which Tech has seen here and there. Not so much with Jordan Brooks because that guy's everywhere. But uh, when you've got linebackers leading tacklers, that's always a, a good sign on your defense. So I I was definitely underwhelmed with their offense. I, I think this is something that Tech's defense should be able to at least counter and and uh, control. And then I just realized as I'm just rambling nonstop that I haven't even Sorry. made a prediction of this game. I haven't even I, written down a scoring I, prediction. I've got to figure one out on the fly here in a few minutes when we get to that point. I was doing some, some last minute research on that, but one of the things I want to point to is looking at the TCU defense, which always gives spread teams troubles. Um, Jet Duffy was a starting quarterback last year in Fort Worth to take on TCU. Um, that was an ugly game too. Yeah, so almost his lowest completion percentage, his almost his fewest number of passes thrown. Well, I would say his lowest, fewest number of passes thrown for a complete game. 
He threw fewer against Oklahoma, but he came in relief for Bowman when he left. On the road at TCU, Duffy in 2018, completely different coaching staff. He was 13 of 24, so 54% completion for 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 16 rushes for 83 yards, another touchdown. So he had two touchdowns in the day. He ran a lot that day, which yeah. is not something we've seen. 16 attempts. Only time he, he passed that was against Texas, and he ran 17 times against Texas. He ran 15 times against West Virginia for 86 yards. It's really strange. There are three games that are really close in attempts and yards, West Virginia, TCU, and Texas. So 15, 16, 17 in attempts, and then um, 86, 83, 80 in total yards, rushing yards. Anyways, so I think obviously what's going to determine the game is how well Yost and Duffy can figure out the TCU defense. Um, it's going to help him having some experience going against this defense. He went all year, not all year, all game last year against it. Duffy did. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's where the the game will be decided, obviously, you know, considering turnovers as well. Yeah, and TC not to say that TCU doesn't have an offense or anything like that. Uh, you know, Darius Anderson's been a good running back for him for sure. Um, I don't think he's injured, so uh, you know you could expect to see him. Olana Lua, Shewu, Shewu Olana Lua is uh, he's he's also done well for for them, and of course Jalen Rager's definitely a playmaker. Uh, you know he's got thirty three receiving or receptions, four hundred sixty two yards. Uh, they they have the ability to move the ball and score on you, but uh, it as maybe as, though. I mean, yeah, they only, they only put up nine points. Like they're they're inconsistent on the offensive side. Very much so. Uh, they they do not have the consistency that you'd expect. And I'm I'm hoping that there's a good crowd on Saturday. I I think the win in Morgantown helps helped. Mm-hmm. There and it wasn't just a. It was a it was a dominant win, and it was a dominant road win. Um, you know, Tech hadn't won on the road since last year, and they definitely haven't beaten a Big Twelve team on the road that soundly. I think what did Kyle dig up? Was it oh eight or some crazy stat that Kansas State oh eight? Yeah, it, it's been a long time since Tech had managed something quite like that on the road. But I, uh, I'm i still nervous. I'm still nervous always, about this one. Always nervous. Um, yeah, so I, I'm just looking. I'm, I'm comparing Duggan Dugan and Duffy. So D- Max Duggan completes 56% of his passes, 1,500 yards, so 6.4 yards per attempt. 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Very ho-hum stat line. Um, Jet Duffy completes 69% of his passes for 1,700, almost 1,800 yards. He's got fewer passing touchdowns by three, but he's got five fewer interceptions than 
Duggan Dugan does. Duggan Dugan. So, kind of going into, uh, you know, SP Plus rankings, we saw that Tech, I think even after West Virginia, they didn't move. They were 47 going to Morgantown, and they stayed 47. TCU's at 32. So, TCU is by SP Plus margins a slightly better team, which is why they are favored uh, at minus three despite being on the road. Uh, the over-under on this game is 56.5. So the odds makers are kind of predicting the same thing I think you and I are predicting is a, kind of a, 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 a maybe not a defensive battle, but just a low-scoring game. TCU is going to be able to slow down Tech's offense, and, and they're going to uh, probably take advantage of some some of those passes that Duffy might miss they might be able to take advantage of and take it the other way as opposed to just it going through a receiver's hands or or hitting the ground or whatever it may be. Not to say that Duffy makes a lot of missed passes, but just you know, quarterbacks do, and the TCU is a team that can take advantage of that. Yeah, so looking at the TCU offense, looking for who scares you, they're really good on the ground um, between Duggan, Darius Anderson, and Shea Alanaloa. Um, they combine for – 1,500 yards. Pretty solid trio. Um, and 16 touchdowns on the ground. Um, and then their leading receiver is Jalen Rager. He has 462 receiving yards, four touchdowns. Everybody else, 250. Travalence Hunt is the next leading receiver. Uh, Tay Barber has 205 yards. Tight end Pro Wells. It's a great name. Yeah. 189 yards. Straight to the point. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's hard to like point out something on the offense that you're concerned with because I think the strength of the Texas Tech defense is their rush defense. Their front seven um is an outstanding. I don't know if there's enough between Duggan and Rager, that would scare you against your defensive backfield, which has struggled. Yes, mightily, and it, it could be a it, it could be something where you get somebody that hasn't really done all that well, breaks out, and has a big game. Um, Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. Before we get there, though. Before we get to predictions. Oh, okay. We're about to make our picks. All right, I'm ready. Before we make our predictions. Okay. Okay. You you know though, as a true football fan, just as sure as the seasons change, Captain Kirk Cousins keeps the Vikings on the field. In the game, every weekend, our favorite Gridiron Warriors put their skills to the test. Why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through NFL season, or we are. Yeah, we are I, now. I think. I think we're. I think we've hit the halfway point now. I know we're more than halfway. We're on the down, the back third of the college football season. Now is the time. Get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up to date lines, the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season. 
do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. Best part of my bookie is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand dollars, they will give you a thousand dollars. Say what? That's double, double your initial deposit. You can use in all of your favorite picks. Use promo code chair, C-H-A-I-R to activate the offer. That's promo code chair to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you were to wander over to my bookie, Michael, and yes. look up Texas Tech versus TCU, they have a line of minus three for TCU. Hypothetically, with your thousand dollars matched deposit, yeah, with my two grand, where, where where are you going with this? With my hypothetical two grand, I would take tech with the points, and not only would I do that, Whoa. my friend, not only would I do that, I would take would you tech parlay to win? I, I don't know who I'd parlay with. I'd par I'd parlay with uh, OU covering against. Could you parlay Baylor? <laughs> the spread and the points total? I don't know. Can you parlay two bets in the same game? The, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can. I think most parlays are usually just against the spread bets on See, three different is, games. This is the thing. I, I don't. Or I don't. However, X amount of different games. I don't wade this deeply into this pool. Well, that's yeah. I've I've, I've tiptoed. I've 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 passed the uh, swimming test once or twice to swim in the deep end, but then usually I get kicked back out. Okay, so you're picking Tech to win. I am. I've got, I've got confidence in this team after what I saw in Morgantown. I'm very, uh, at this point in the year, I'm very reactionary. So what I saw in Morgantown was was good. I picked them to lose in Morgantown, as y'all know, because of how poorly they played in Kansas and how well West Virginia played against Baylor. But it turns out maybe Baylor is just a tiny bit better than everyone else. Um, they're they're like the Jar Jar Binks of the Big 12. <laughs> they just kind of fall ass backwards into success. They are on the battlefield uh, trying to get away from the bad guys and somehow clumsily turn the gun towards them and get medals and get awarded. So all that to say, I've got TTU winning 27-24. The over-under on this, as we've mentioned, was 56.5. That puts it under that. I see. I don't see Tech getting a lot of points against this TCU team. What say you? I, I don't think any team scores 30. And if you do score 30, that's, that's the team that's going to win. I also am reactionary. I'm riding the momentum from this past weekend. Same points, not because you won, but because you won big. You won easily. Again, it's not the same caliber of opponent, but you did it on the road. You never looked shaky about it. Give me Texas Tech to win. Hey. Going fewer points than you are, but so that's obviously the under 24 to 20. All right. So several field goals in this game. Yeah, I'm thinking so too. And I I just wanted to set this up out because I don't want to be look ahead, look ahead let down sandwich guy, but uh I, I wanted to pick a win this week because I'm not sure if I'll be able to pick a win next week. Or the week after. Or the week after. But if you that win, was part of it too. If, if you win this weekend, that momentum be like, oh man, we're gonna beat Purple Kansas. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about it. And the uh, the what is it? The FPI, 
Yes. Our remaining schedule, football power index. Now, you had this last week, and I updated it for this week, so we can see the changes. Uh, as of last week on the 5th, Texas Tech had a 39.1% chance of beating Kansas uh, TCU, sorry, and that has gone up to 456 Last week, they had a 38.5% chance of beating Kansas State. That has gone up to 426 a big jump. And then last week they had a 20.3% chance of beating Texas and that has gone up to 24%. So even they are being reactionary. They are. They're being reactionary too. They liked what they saw in Morgantown as well. And I wanted to kind of uh, give Tech the benefit of the doubt here to win another 11 a.m. home game. Yes. You do not have the the kickoff time yet for Kansas State. I was, was going to roll into the 11 a.m. kickoff time. You do have 11 a.m. this weekend versus TCU. The kickoff time has been six-day option, six-day window, or whatever they call it, six-day option. Option for six-day window. That's what it's called. So they will wait until the results are known Saturday night to schedule the kickoff time for Texas Tech, Kansas State. So look for that Saturday night or Sunday morning. This Saturday, however, oh yeah, you can catch us counting to kickoff. We will both be on it this time, probably, <laughs> probably, unless one of us gets a stomach bug. Um, counting to kickoff with Rob Bro Carson Robinson and Tucker Low Rants over on Talk thirteen forty game. With it being eleven, the show will go from nine a.m. to eleven. We will be there nine to ten o five ish. Roll through that segment. We got to run up to the stadium. Eat some free food. Yeah. Stay out of the cold. Yeah, it won't be too bad. It'll, it'll be pretty up. nice. It'll be in the 60s. You can catch the show on 1340 AM, kkam.com, or you can stream it through the Talk 1340 app to your phone or smart speaker. All right. Briefly, because we went way long on football. Yeah, that tends to happen. Well, this was like a lot. <laughs> Let's let's talk a little bit of basketball. Maybe. Nope. See. <laughs> Good gravy. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Oh! And he stepped back by the freshman sensation Smith. Pass over the top of Bullock and a crowd strip by Owens. Ready on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Culver. Mooney with a crossover and the lob to Owens. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready, double into three. Going to puts it down. Already. Odiasi. Tropars it in. Shot clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good. Culver got the separation. Oh, big shot. Step it up big time. Dagger. Culver with the dish. Odiasse. And one. He can tie it at the line. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. All right. So I have to tell you what happened on that one. I selected the new clip. I hit enter. He just played the last clip. Oh, you got to be careful on. with hitting enter. Got to be careful with the, the keyboard shortcuts. I know. Gosh, you, you know, 
with all of our fancy equipment, you'd think running a soundboard would not be that difficult. Props, Tucker. <laughs> yeah, Tucker makes it look easy. He's yeah, got lots sure. of stuff going on over there. All right, so game two was against Bethune-Cookman Saturday evening. What a way to wrap up the day for Texas Tech. Texas Tech wins big over the Wildcats, 79-44. TJ Holyfield was a yes. man. He was a beast. Yes, he was. Eight of 11 from the floor, four for four for, for, for blah, blah, blah. free throws. Four for four free throws. From the charity strike. From the line. Six boards, 20 points in 24 minutes. He's also named Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. This was Holyfield's game, especially early on. Definitely. Just took it over. Uh, he really did. They had no answer for him. They somehow were leaving him unguarded on the baseline so that he could just show up in time for a perfectly timed alley-oop. Uh, Ramsey and Moretti each dropped 13 points each. Uh, you know, this, I was talking about it with a coworker today. This team has so many playmakers that last year it was almost guaranteed that Culver was going to be your top scorer every I think game he was. somehow. I mean, and, and when he wasn't, things were either really off or you it, know, was, it was really balanced with everybody else. Yeah. Or someone else really stepped up like Mooney would have a, a, a wild game or Moretti would have a wild game or something or like you said everyone had nine points <laughs> something nine, like 10 that. 11 yeah. yeah uh but with this team I, it, it could be anybody yeah i mean ramsey had 19 or 20 mm-hmm. the first game he had 19 uh holyfield had, had a handful already edwards had i don't have the stat sheet yeah yeah we're, i mean i know we're talking about game two but the first game i i, I know ramsey was high score in the first game second game holyfield was I, I think Shannon could be that guy. I think Moretti may have that night too if he's getting hot or, uh, you know, everybody's closing in on Ramsey and Holyfield and trying to stop them. Then Moretti's wide open on a three. I, it's it's a different team to to have someone who could probably swap that high point out and and really give some of the other guys some breathing room and attack in so many different ways. Speaking of big news today, what happened? Biggest of news. Yeah. Texas Tech picked up a five-star commit in combo guard Namari Burnett. A universal five-star or whatever every, the term was. Every single thing consensus. calls him a five. Consent, consensus every, five-star. Every rating service has him as a five-star. Some services have Micah Peavy as a five-star. Some had Jemias Ramsey as a five-star. Every service has Namari Burnett as a five-star. Committed to your program Tuesday will sign Wednesday. Yeah, so for the third or fourth time in the last 18 months, it's three, we can say that Texas Tech has their highest <laughs> highest rated recruit ever in basketball. First was Kayvon Moore. I think he was in the 50s, like low 50s. Then it was Jamias Ramsey in the low 30s. Now Burnett, the upper teens. Yep. Number 19 in some places. Holy cow, man. This is going to be a talented, talented, talented team. Yeah. A combo guard out of prolific preps in Chicago, 6'3", 185. And with him coming in, Texas Tech has now moved up to number five. Ooh, so good. Number five in the 2020 class rankings on Rivals and number six in the 2020 class rankings on 24-7 Sports. Yeah, that... um. 
that 2020 class includes Namari Burnett, Micah Peavy, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna blank on his name because I can't ever remember how to pronounce it. I'm not gonna be any help. I'm so sorry. Oh no. I, I was hoping that the the chart had been updated on staking the planes and it hasn't just yet. Uh Chibuzo Agbo. There you go. The fo- the four star forward. So you've got two four stars and a con- consensus five star. Number five or six ranked recruiting class. There are some people around the program that do not think Ramsey is going to leave after this semester, this year. Yeah, there's somehow so that, there's that, rumblings that he, would, that he would be on this. He would play with PV and with well with his incoming class. That he would not be a one and done. Yeah, there's some speculation on that. So I don't know if that's. I, that's hopeful for tech fans, but hey, if if the kid has a heck of a year and decides to go pro, don't hold that against him either. Um, but I can't believe what we're saying. You know, <laughs> just every every few months, Beard keeps uh, breaking new ground on the recruiting trail and really, really gaining on the quote unquote blue bloods of the college basketball world. And Tech's very you know, I don't want to say quickly because you've got to have some sustained success. So I understand some people's criticisms there. I am a homer. But uh, in a few years, it may be very obvious that tech can be considered in that, you know, the top six, eight programs in the country when it comes to basketball. Well, here, so I'm looking at the eligibility chart over on Stacking the Plains. You have two grad transfers you're only two seniors on the team chris clark tj holyfield so you're replacing that talent with namari burnett micah pv a lot of young guys and agbo so there will need to be one i don't know how it works no no because there's there's 13 spots there will be 12 available yeah, I don't know how the math works. <laughs> I, don't I, I, I don't want to, but there is still a possibility the 2020 recruiting class is not done. Again, so you would expect somebody from your current team to not be making it back, which is strange to think about. Maybe it's Moretti going pro or someone else just goes off and has a big, big year and they're out of here. But. Or there just could be some transfers. Yep. The talent you you have on this team is going to be added to five-star Namari Burnett. Yeah. And speaking of this team, game three is Wednesday night. Depending on when you're listening, that's probably tonight. If you're listening on a Wednesday uh, against Houston Baptist, it is in Midland, though. It's at the Chaparral Center and 7 o'clock tip-off. This game is available, I'm sure, via 97.3, all of your tune-in apps. But uh, you should Texas be able Tech to TV. Yeah, you should be able to watch it on Texas Tech TV if you're a, a subscriber to that service. And then Tech will play again the following week, Thursday, November 20th, 7 p.m. against Tennessee State here in Lubbock. That's on the Fox Networks, I suggest you try Fox Sports Go. That seems to be the better bet lately because most of the Spurs or Mavs games are on 
the regional Fox channels at the same time. And then that following Sunday here at home again versus Long Island at 1 p.m. So after church on Sunday, as as Beard would say, which is what he said actually during his fireside chat, they're having a a book signing after church at Barnes and Noble this Sunday for the 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 new book that is coming out. I forget what it is from Texas Tech's journey from unranked to NCAA championship game. Oh gosh, I forgot the name of the book, but that's like the subtitle. <laughs> They're the tagline. Well, subtitle is uh, from unranked to the final to the final four. Yeah, and he had the book on the fireside chat. I don't know. Did you get to watch? Okay, I watched it, so I, I won't go into it too much. But the the book is massive. It's it's a really big book. It's a great looking coffee table book. It looks like it goes through every single game of the season. It has a write up for each game. Has photos from each game. Um. It's really going to be a great Christmas present for just about anyone listening to this podcast would probably like it. So, uh, but a few things I wanted to point out to kind of segue into women's basketball just briefly. Uh, Coach Stallings was actually on the fireside chat this week with Coach Beard. A couple of tidbits that I thought was interesting was he kind of volunteered her to host a pool party if and when the girls win the Big 12. (laughs) So uh, that may be happening at Coach Stallings' house, hopefully in the next couple years. And that she brought a book with her as well. Coach Beard had, of course, the new book that you can buy. Coach Stallings had Marsha Sharp's Tall Enough to Coach, which she had actually gotten Coach Sharp to sign about 10 years ago. And so that's in her office, which is kind of a neat full circle moment. That yeah, because now that she, she works at the – Athletic department. Yeah, obviously that's just that's just a really cool thought that your coach has your former coach's signature in a book well before she even got the job or was even considered it. If she already looked up to this program, knew of this program, and obviously looked up to Coach Sharp. And so with that in mind, Coach Beard also wanted to reiterate that the Lady Raiders will host Sam Houston State Thursday. That's this Thursday, the 14th at 6 p.m. So if you're in town go support the Lady Raiders. They're about to kick off their season. And with that, if you're ready to roll into some baseball a little bit, we can we can do that briefly because I did not keep up with the Red and Black Series that much. And this is where I would hit play on a baseball bumper. We won't have to fumble through that because I don't have one prepared yet. Let me, but, just, let me just say hello, Omaha. Omaha! <laughs> hello, Omaha! So, Red and Black Series was shortened from five games to three. Final two games were, were canceled. Game three was on Sunday. The Red team won Sunday and then took the series two to one. It was an offensive explosion for the Red team. They ended up winning this game 26 to three. Grotesque. Cole Stillwell, Jace Young both hit two homers each. One of Young's was a grand slam, too, I think. The red team had three grand slams on the day. Yeah, that's some offense. Oh, in the first three innings. So that happened. <laughs> they got up to 23-0. to zero. And they <laughs> hit their home run in the fifth and finished with 18 hits. And it was the game was cut short. 
<laughs> they mercy ruled their mercy own teammates. Ruled, most mercy ruled themselves. Stillwell went three for six with seven RBI with a grand slam. Uh, and a three-run hit, a three-run home run in the fifth. So that, those are his seven RBIs or on two home runs. Jace Young added six RBI with a grand slam in the first and a two-run home run in the third. Junior Dylan Noisy added four RBI thanks to his grand slam in the third. Bo Willis, freshman um, catcher, chipped in four RBI of his own with a three-run home run in the first and bases loaded walk in the third. With some bats, man. Yep, hot bats. Um, Keith did mention he will probably he will try to get out an episode to wrap yeah. up the red and black series and do some of his um, preseason updates from the D1 baseball guys, Kendall Rogers. So be looking for that Dinger Derby podcast. Find that anywhere that you find our podcast. Give Keith a listen. That show will without having talked to him, we'll get started in earnest early spring as the Texas Tech Red Raider baseball team rolls, roars into life. Yeah, go ahead and, and follow him on Twitter at Dinger Derby and go ahead and subscribe. So that way, if uh, if when, he does grace us with a red and black kind of post-game analysis and a little bit of the preseason rankings, then you will already be set. It'll show up in your feed and you can catch up on some uh, really, really excellent baseball analysis. Top-notch baseball. Yeah, truly. Dude, you ready for some questions? I think we have one. Oh, man. We got to get better about that. <laughs> well, now. <laughs> I thought you were ready, man. Go ahead. Go for it. Good gravy. It's just one of those nights, man. Now. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm on Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right. You're right. We do only have the one question. From from very reliable Red Raider Reset Man, by the way. For sure. If we need a question, we can count on him. He's got us. We we really do appreciate it. Thanks, a lot man. Of, a lot of people reacted to the, uh, the basketball news today. They were consumed with eating all the five-star. He's just <laughs> consuming the content. However, Red Raider Reset Man asks, with Bowman and McIver cleared to play Will Yost open the playbook more for the Jet? Seems to me like Yost was holding back since they didn't have a decent backup quarterback. That's something we actually just touched on. Um, I could see where Yost would be a little more aggressive or more more open to calling some some option type plays, perhaps option or quarterback run. Yeah, um, being that he's got some some depth back behind him. However, it's still like precarious in the sense that like you you only have the one game left with Bowman if you want to redshirt him. You know, Tyner's not really back there about to set the world on fire. And MacGyver hasn't played since he was in high school. 
you don't really want to like have to turn to one of those guys and be like, hey, Bowman, you haven't played in two months. Let's get out there for this, the rest of this game, and then we're going to sh- shut you down for the season. Yeah. Um, or like, hey, noob, <laughs> don't screw this up. I mean, I would like to think that there would be a little, they'd be a little more aggressive and open it up for, for, for Duffy. And it feels like I, I w- was saying that this would happen, but now I'm like, wow, yes, they're available, but like, you don't really want to have to go to them. We've kind of adjusted to seeing a more pocket passer Duffy, a more uh, not encouraged to run and scramble Duffy. So we've kind of gotten used to it over the last six or seven weeks. I think I can, I can live with what Yost is doing right now, but there could be some special situations that could really sneak up on the defense. Yeah. You know, there, there might be like a third and three, all of a sudden Duffy's taken off with it. And it's just a designed run that you haven't seen yet. Uh, Those situations would, would be great. That was one of the biggest plays in the TCU game last season when Duffy took off on a run, um, ran for 30-something yards, basically untouched until he got to the end zone and like fumbled in the end zone. Which is, yeah. I mean, but, one of those instances where if, if he's got nine completions in a row again, take off. Yeah. They're, they're going to be thinking that, oh, man, this guy is killing us. He's, we've got to get – we've got to play eight back to try to cover everybody. And, oh, oh crap, he took off for 17 yards. Oh, no. Yeah. So I, I I would like to see that um, I'm a little bit you know situationally I don't think just across the board I don't think he needs 16 carries and 15 and like no, what you no. were talking about that he saw last year and how he got banged up, um, but it could it could open up things a little bit especially on short yardage situations that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm really quickly pulling up his rushing stats per game. Um, the most he's rushed in the game was 12 against Baylor. And that was for minus three yards. I think a lot of that was scrambling. Um, most rushing yards was against Kansas on six carries, eight carries against West Virginia for 34 yards, nine carries against Iowa state for 24. So you could theoretically see him getting up into the double digit rushes and not really be all that out of character for Yost. That's true. So, yeah, it wouldn't be a drastic change, but how he calls those might, might be, you know, if you've got a long of 22 yards mixed in there somewhere, that may have been a very designed play or, or something that Duffy was encouraged to take advantage of that he saw in the coverage. Yeah. One more thing. I taking a step back to baseball. Keith did respond to somebody asking him if there was going to be a red and black series podcast. He says, working on getting it together with high school football playoffs. Um, it's taking up a lot of his time. He does have a couple of people lined up just waiting for some availability to line up so they can record, put together some stellar content. So, yes, do be on the lookout for Dinger Derby to come out with some baseball podcastage. Nice. All right, Michael, let's talk about what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. You guys, I did it. Flawless. <laughs> okay. I'm the shortest one of the, of the podcast. <laughs> I did it. Uh, 
what I learned, this is going to be the temporary Star Wars review segment for me, because as I mentioned last episode, I am slowly but surely going through all of the main storyline Star Wars movies up until Rise of Skywalker comes out this December. Uh, when we last spoke, I had just seen episode one, The Phantom Menace, or rewatched, I should say. I have seen all of these movies before. The prequels I have not seen in many, many years, possibly not since the many theaters. <laughs> uh, and then this last week, I somehow was able to squeeze in episode two, Attack of the Clones, and episode three, Revenge of the Sith. And let me tell you, friends, Attack of the Clones is not good. And I did not enjoy one? it. That's two. Two. And it's it's just too sterile. It's obviously every frame is shot in front of a green screen. It's cheaper that way. Like no locations. Uh, the, no scouting. And I don't I don't want to dog the guy <laughs> because I think he got he received very poor direction from Lucas, but Christensen was not a very good Anakin. And I made a point on slack chat today that i would like to see i mean lucasfilm and all that are really into digitally inserting characters i think adam driver who plays kylo ren in the current trilogy <laughs> should he should just be recast as anakin skywalker in episode two and three and they just put use him for every scene instead and and no one has to he's not the same character he's playing anakin it's just the same actor playing different characters that's fine that's probably happened before it's not a big deal if they did that i think that movie would be a lot better but it's uh you know revenge of the sith was okay christensen was much better in that one the 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 crazy lightsaber battle at the end was way too long the yoda and Palpatine going at each other that was way too long I, I, I remember watching that scene in the theaters like just laughing of like this is ridiculous oh yeah how Palpatine's laughing like a madman throwing all the <laughs> young Jedi <laughs> the, you know throwing all that the the whole that thing perfect <laughs> I, we're gonna need to like have a segment where you do just a, like everything in a Palpatine voice <laughs> I need to work on it a little bit more but the <laughs> you know episode three is okay it was it was fine the transition took a little while to get there but uh that's really it that's what i learned was that attack of the clones i went in thinking that oh you know i just remember all the message boards and all the people talking about the prequels and how much they hated phantom menace and i, I went in expecting to to like that one the least, but I didn't. I liked it probably second best, but not by much because Phantom Menace is kind of, dare I say, fun. Is that okay? Is that okay to be a fun movie in the Star Wars universe? I don't know. If that's what you want to call it. Yeah. So are, are you watching, are you going in order of the story? Like, are you going into Solo I'm, and then Rogue One? Yeah, I'm doing chronological. I'm, I'm, I've seen Solo and Rogue One recently. Uh, Solo I watched just, I think, in May or so. Uh, Rogue One I saw in theaters. I really don't have a desire to see it again. I may watch the last 10 minutes um, now that I have Disney Plus because that just came out today, so I can watch that. But Disney's going to own our lives. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't plan on watching 
rewatching both of them completely uh, for those reasons, but I am going to rewatch all of the, uh, you know, episode four, five, and six, and seven and eight for sure. So I've got my work cut out for me between now and the next five weeks or so. And then you get into the the OG, yeah, the New Hope. I'm really excited. Empire. I think that's why I watched three of these movies in like eight days because I just wanted to get them over with. Let me get back to those. <laughs> yeah, let me let me get back to some uh, some actors with some real chemistry that are actually on physical sets and walking around on dirt and grass. <laughs> what is this you talk of? <laughs> outside yeah it's it's uh it really makes it a lot more realistic experience so i would add what i learned is despite not having shaved for five years the last time i did this was five years ago i didn't know it had been that long facial hair it's just like a just keeps marching on man like it did not take a like a did not take a step back when i shaved the first time it was like the next day i was like sandpaper i was like man, i gotta shave again <laughs> and i've been i've been shaving basically every day because i was out the past six days out of town i didn't shave i shaved every other day while i was gone on day two it was rough it was like so you could be an extra on the set of name the 70s movie and, and you could be there you could have been an extra on joker I'm assuming that was set in the seven. That may have been the eighties. They never really quite said. You kind of pick up on uh, the the context there. Once upon a time in Hollywood, you could have been walking around in the back of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like you know, yeah. eating at the restaurant where they were getting hammered at the end of the movie, off margaritas or whatever it was. Anyway, I, yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's it's a very it's a striking it's a yeah. striking look. Well, all right, that'll do it for us this week on the 23 Personnel Podcast. I wanted to ask you, is it cold? It is. A little, a little chilly. <laughs> it's, it's cold with no beard. I can definitely tell where the wind is blowing from these days. I'd imagine. All right, we'll catch you guys again next week. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.